0: Welcome to the Upbeat Podcast, powered by Cochart, a show that's dedicated to providing resources for families impacted by childhood chronic illness. For articles, videos, and show notes, visit our platform at upbeat.coachart.org.
1: Hi, I'm Greg Harrell-Edge, Art's Executive Director. Um, I'm here with Roxanne. Hi. Uh, Roxanne Dosh, <laughs> our Marketing Director here at CoachArt. <laughs> Um, And we're thrilled to be uh, here launching the Upbeat Podcast, uh, a podcast for parents of kids impacted by chronic illness to learn social and emotional tips uh, for their journey. This is powered by CoachArt. CoachArt is a nonprofit organization that does free arts and athletics for kids impacted by chronic illness. We're currently serving kids in LA, the Bay Area, and San Diego. And if you have more interest in the program, check out www.coachart.org. And we are thrilled to have an awesome guest with us today. Uh, we are joined by Aaron Garcia, who is the co author of Tiger Livy uh, and an English teacher in Central California. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. Hi, thank you. It's exciting to be here. And so, Tiger Livy uh, is we think, the the first of its kind of a, a children's book and one that, of course, is of really great interest to Coach Art and in, in our mission. Um, can you describe a little bit about uh, what the book is and, and what your intentions with it were?
0: Yeah, definitely. So Tiger Livy was inspired by my niece who was um, diagnosed with a very rare autoimmune disease that um, attacks the muscles in the body. So you know, obviously, a lot of your people who you work with have chronic illness, and so Livy's life is not unlike a lot of your the kids who are who work with Coach Hart because she had her health one day and almost overnight it was stripped from her with this autoimmune disease that just sort of flared up seemingly out of nowhere. Um, and as I watched Livy go through this process, understanding what this means, you know, she was five years old when she was diagnosed. I had a really interesting observation, um, both because, you know, I'm a mom to kids who are about her age. Um, I grew up with an older brother who was, had some pretty severe um, physical um, issues that required a lot of hospitalization throughout his whole life. So I've been in and out of children's hospitals all throughout my upbringing. And I just kind of observing this in a child now that I'm a mom, um, I, I was surprised that how much I understood about what was happening, even though it was, it's just so devastating, you know, and there isn't a lot you can do to help people with chronic illness. If you're not a doctor or a nurse or a child life specialist, a lot of times people who are on the outer edges, you know, say, what can I do to help? And so I thought, no, okay, maybe I could get her a cool book, you know, something cool that kind of helps her work through this. that it's so confusing and there really wasn't anything for someone her age that would be appropriate, you know? So I thought, well, I can, I can make one. You know, I'm an English teacher. I read a lot, you know? Uh, and it just turned into this beautiful community project um, that I think won't just help just her, but I think it will help a lot of chronically ill children um, find some perspective, you know, in this type of really complicated, confusing situation. And so, you know, because I couldn't do the day-to-day things that would really be helpful. Um, like logistically, it would have been impossible. I said, okay, I'm going to help with fundraising, but I, you know, I work full time. I've got some small kids. I live four hours away. I can't, I can't be doing bake sales and stuff. <laughs> so this book was, was my way to help out and to help them with their fundraising endeavors. You know, it just was published last month, but I think we're well on our way to making it something that is, that is helpful for children. Um, even if they're not chronically ill to like learn empathy and it's, it's been very profoundly helpful for kids in hospital situations Um, already. We've heard back from families who bought it and they're just like, it just helps us have the conversation. You know, Libby was in kindergarten when this happened and you know, for her, the the medicine that she took um, and the steroids that she was on, it it totally changed um, her appearance. And so a lot of her friends, who she'd daycare with and, you know, T-ball with and things like that. She doesn't look like Libby, you know, she looked like a different person. And so they treated her like a different person and kind of with reservation because she was weird. You know, she had facial hair from the steroids she was taking and she was 20 pounds heavier and she was only 40 inches tall. You know what I mean? That's a lot of weight gain mm-hmm. and her face was kind of discolored and it was heartbreaking. And so my sister-in-law, told me this one time where she went to a birthday party with a really good friend and there were about 15 kids in the class at this party. And she had stopped going to school in April because it was so severe. Like she was bedridden basically. Um, But she looked really different. And so she's going to go see her friends and she's so excited to go. She's been away from everyone for months. And they looked at her like she was like an alien, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. they acted like they didn't know her kids wouldn't approach her like maybe i wonder if they were worried they were going to catch it or something and it was just heartbreaking and so she left the party devastated she couldn't stay the whole time she she was just a mess so what libby's mom did was she was before school started you know she still is going to look different you know when she was going into first grade and her mom didn't want her to have to go through something like that again she just kind of took it upon herself to to inform and educate and and she had to deal with some uncomfortable situations and I think that that would be something that she told me like she wanted me to convey is like, yeah, it is awkward sometimes. And, you know, she was shocked too because she goes, you know, I sometimes like I would have the, I realize like my own judgmental thoughts when I would see people in the shopping, you know, like while I was out shopping or, you know, at the grocery store and and realizing like a lot of times I don't really know exactly what I'm looking at and she Mm -hmm. only you know, you can only really have that realization when it, when it happens to you. When you're like, oh. You know, some people are very cruel. And so she really, um, she really wanted to, to own that and to help prevent that for her daughter. You know, she, that was another way that she helped protect her daughter from, you know, it's hard. It's hard to be a kid, but <laughs> then you add this element on top of it all. And it's just, it's brutal, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when you looked out at the books that were available and found that there wasn't anything Mm -hmm. that was addressing this topic, having um, had the the experience with Livy, you knew there were so many different types of social and emotional issues that go along with this that you Mm -hmm. could address in a book like this. How did you decide on the sort of narrative arc that you chose, sort of what elements you wanted to bring into the book and into the story?
0: What I really wanted this book to focus on is, okay, things aren't normal. Things aren't the same. And you didn't do anything to deserve this. Where do we go from here? You know, how do we heal? Even adults have chronic illness. They can feel really helpless, you know? And I wanted to make a book that gave power to the child. You know, some power, some control, some ownership. Well, what do kids have? They don't have money. You know, they don't have a lot of life experience, but they do have tremendous imagination right, um, they have a mindset that they can control. And they're the only ones who can control it because they're the only ones who have to go through this. And if they don't have the right mindset, if they have the approach that they, don't, they aren't a player in healing themselves, they're beholden to whatever the powers that be do. And um, I don't know about your experience in hospitals, but doctors are human too and, and make mistakes. And they make a lot of mistakes. And some of this stuff in treating these things are, it's your best educated guess. I'm exposed to a lot of scientific research about how, how your mindset affects everything in your world. And if you don't find ways to um, have an empowered mindset, you you are always a victim. And I could see at some point, you know, Libby struggling with that. She felt like a victim. You know, she is so outgoing. She's so social. She's so athletic. She is so artistic. And this disease that she had, it actually your muscles start breaking down. Your body kind of starts attacking your muscles because it thinks it's like an invader. Okay. And so at one point she like, couldn't even swallow food. Thankfully she, they treated it, you know, but it, it just, so the way she got diagnosed is she had a rash on her face. And then she, um, she could barely like crawl up the stairs and get into bed and like a couple Mm -hmm. days before, you know, she could do it. All right. You know? So they took her in. And um, their pediatrician initially thought it was maybe like something like leukemia. He he knew it was serious. And so he sent him down to Children's Hospital Los Angeles. That's their closest children's hospital. And um, they immediately diagnosed it correctly. And so she got treatment right away. Even though she got treatment right away, she really kind of split down so really quickly. You know, you really, it's really unfair. You know what I mean? You, you feel like it's no so wonder why you would feel like victim was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I was just, you know, being a good kid, minding my own business, and then it's gone, you know, and she was very angry. But I, I just felt like, man, if I could give this kid anything, it would be to let her know it's not forever, you know, and that the book kind of discusses that, that it's a process and, and that you do have power. You know, we can help you work through this. And even though it's hard and it's out of your control, you, you can participate in the healing process. And it, part of it is just how you choose to operate. And so I wanted a way to, like, empower this this little one who was just just struggling, you
1: know? Yeah. And I think your book does such a phenomenal job of that. And it's something that that we experience all the time with Coach Art Kids. And another thing that, that the book touches on that I wanted to ask you about is that connection between kids who are going through something like this? How much of that was mm-hmm. part of Livy's experience, or even since you know continues to be uh, today? Since you've written the book, is that something that that played a very important role for her?
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I think um, one thing that really changed her whole outlook um, and really gave a lot of hope to her parents was um, they went to the National JM conference. Um, And at this conference, the parents get to connect, and the kids connect with other JM kids. And it was just having the community of people who have kind of who are living through it, or who have gotten through the hard time, and then they share at this conference was profoundly um, just inspiring for for both Libby and her parents. And so I think that um, when you have that connection with someone who, who really understands, or someone who can kind of devote really positive time and energy to you. um, Yeah, that, that was, that was monumental. And then, you know, when she had, you know, friends at school who didn't treat her differently, that was really a big deal. Like I'm still me, even though I'm different, when you have that kind of community, um, both within, you know, the chronically ill community, but also in the general public, it's so empowering. Erin,
2: can you share with us maybe some advice on how her parents dealt with that emotional uh, strain and what are some tips or maybe a a story or something you can share with us on on how her parents helped her understand um, that basically these kids just didn't understand what was happening to her?
0: The first thing is definitely taking the time to educate people is really exhausting, right? Mm. You know, because you're like, most of the time when people are not compassionate, it's really out of ignorance, right? So one thing I decided to invite kids over was she did go into the classroom at the very beginning of the year. And, you know, she's a teacher and she just explained, like, the, in really basic terms, here's what's actually medically happening to her. Here's what the effects are from the medication she's taking. And then here's what we need from you. And she just was very clear with the children about that and I think that the teacher also sent home a note to the parents so like maybe you can engage in the conversation and I know from personal experience that it's very tempting because you're so exhausted and you might feel just kind of angry and kind of just sad you don't really want to talk to other people a lot of times you know what I mean that's a very normal common reaction. And I think um, it's totally understandable, but the more people you talk to, it is so crazy how beautiful people can be if you give them a chance. And if you've never been the type of person to go out and talk to people or like you don't like to put yourself out there, you know, maybe you're more introverted. Um, I would say that you cannot and should not do this by yourself. You cannot, you will, you will not come out better for it. You um, need to create a community, connect with people, and it's kind of like the last thing that you want to do, but it's what you have to do. And it's a really long process, and you're not really meant to do this by yourself.
1: Absolutely. So at Coach Art, we so often are talking to the, the parents themselves who are going through this mm-hmm. experience and kind of hearing their perspective, and one of the things that they talk about is reaching out to the sort of immediate family members, aunts, uncles, grandparents, mm. and how to communicate with those folks mm. and what those folks' experiences are like. But it's rare that we kind of get a chance to speak to somebody that, that it was your niece who was going through this, and I'm wondering if you have any advice for other folks who find themselves in that sort of first circle around someone in their family who's, mm. who's going through this. Essentially, if you have any other advice for aunts and uncles and grandparents yeah. and that, that first layer who you might have a family yourself and balancing all of a sudden that there's this you know, a family member who needs uh, a lot of care. Any advice do you have for that circle of folks that might be going through something like this?
0: Oh, I do. That's a great question because hopefully they recognize their role in this. I think that a lot of people don't want to pry, don't want to overstep, you know, it's awkward, right? You know, cause it's kind of private. It depends on your family dynamics, you know, like how involved are your relatives, like what's taboo, what's not, you know, some people might be like, well, you must've done something wrong. You know, I've heard that before. Um, when my, my brother was born with um pretty serious congenital issues. And some well-meaning family members said like, you must've committed sin. You know, that's why your baby was born this way. I mean, you can imagine if, could you imagine if you have your first child and that's what someone does to you in the hospital? Like, I mean, it's just unreal. So one thing I would say to relatives is if you don't know, get on the internet and, and learn some stuff and then don't be afraid to see how you can help. You know, what do you need and, and be there? And here's the thing is like your family member who's struggling with this, like, they're probably way in over their head right now. You know, they're probably just trying to figure out what end is up right now um, because everything's been turned on its side. You know, turned upside down. And so I think that show up, be present, and and if you can genuinely ponder what they might need, that would be great. And don't take anything personally.
1: Absolutely. And actually, we're launching uh, the upbeat. Facebook group, uh, that's specifically a, a community of parents to talk about social and emotional elements of any diagnosis and any mm-hmm. illness and hope that that will be a space that parents can join and have those exact types of conversations.
0: And I will say one other thing that I just thought of, um, because I've, I've, I've experienced this. I have an autoimmune disorder. I have celiac disease, It's not obviously as serious as Libby's, um, but it's greatly impacted my life. And I, I do remember well-meaning relatives saying things like, oh, well, when I have stomach aches or when I, you know, comparison is, is a thief. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of times people try to compare to like, they're trying to connect. You know, I know that's what well-meaning people do when they're comparing, you know, but if you haven't done the research, if you haven't done the homework, if you haven't really lived through it, I would recommend don't compare it anything else because it's kind of rude. And, uh, you know, you got to walk a mile in the shoes before you can really, you know, give advice and things like that.
2: Yeah, that's a very important point. I know when my daughter uh, was diagnosed with cancer, I was receiving articles from friends and family members on how dairy causes cancer and meat causes cancer. And honestly, as a parent, that just made me more paranoid and you know, in the moment. Yeah. And if I, you know, give my kid fruit snacks, is that going to make her cancer spread? Because sugar makes cancer spread. And, you know, you're, you're definitely right on by saying, uh, just do your research and only, only share what is positive and comfortable, not um, something that's just going to make the parent and the child more paranoid, because that's definitely not supportive.
0: Yeah, because information is power, but yeah, it's like the timing and the place. And I, I'm sure I made a lot of mistakes in the process. And I, um, you know, there's one little page in this book where I have Livy making sure she eats the right food to help stalk her prey of the disease, right? And the, the food, you know, nutrition is an important part of it, but you're right. It's like, it's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if your house is burning down and you offer like a flower watering pot you know it's like please like keep it for right now you know what i mean? you just have to kind of like gauge the situation and and yeah there's a ton of information out there and it can be super overwhelming so like maybe ask if the family wants the information you know like oh i read this really interesting article but like also do a little vetting is the article written by you know some you know mom in her basement who got a Google university degree or, you know what I mean? Like, um, moms are a really great resource, but like, you know, as a child has a really serious diagnosis of like cancer, like, I think I would prefer peer reviewed medical journals right now and not, you know, your friends, cousins, sisters, you know, special Kool-Aid that she concocted that will, you know, it just, it's crazy. But I think, sometimes people don't check where they're getting their info from
1: and it's harmful. Absolutely. Well, we have been joined today by Aaron Garcia, co author of tiger livy. So for any parent impacted by chronic illness or uh, the parent of any child, uh, you can find tiger livy on Amazon or at any major book retailer. Uh, We highly recommend it. And you're just serving such a great, cause and, and helping these families that uh, that on behalf of all the families that we serve, uh, thank you so much for writing it.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That means a lot to me. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate all the work you do.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. It was really great talking to you again. And just want to add one, one note um, that 100% of the proceeds of this book go to uh, the Cure Jam Foundation.
1: And so that wraps up this episode of The Upbeat, and uh, we hope that you will join us again. Uh, Thank you so much for anybody who listened in. You can find more content like this at theupbeat.coachart.org, where we have blog posts, podcasts, and YouTube clips, as well as a Facebook group that you can join and share your own helpful advice with other families who are dealing with social and emotional questions about kids going through chronic illness. So we hope to see you there. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you.